Hi, I'm Ash Kalurachi. I'm co-founder at StartEd and managing director at EdTech Week. I've spent most of my life building EdTech accelerator programs uh, for Techstars, Intel, and New York University. And my programs have invested in about 100 EdTech companies and created about 8 to 10% of global EdTech unicorns. I currently run a company that attracts and develops an army of education innovators to solve the world's largest challenges. Welcome to the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the EdTech space. I'm your host, Alicia Kwan, and I look forward to learning with you today. Ash, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, and I'm really happy to just share all that you're you're doing and, and the organization that you've you've built and all the different edtech startups that you've helped. I'm wondering if we could start out by simply you explaining a little bit more about Start Ed and 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 what that organization is, a little bit more about what you do. Happy to, and thank you for inviting me, Alicia. Start Ed is really a, a initiative. Uh, that I got going in 2015 alongside some other exited entrepreneurs in the space uh, to really serve education innovators in a way that they haven't been served before in that uh, entrepreneurs themselves haven't really been uh, given the gift of of the ideal uh, educational experience or or networking or skill building through their post-secondary experiences in college. Uh, and uh, we were trying to reinvent that and focus that on entrepreneurs. Uh, on, top of, on top of focusing on entrepreneurs, uh, we wanted to uh, pay special attention to uh, an industry we thought uh, was uh, in much uh, need of, of attention in terms of investment and mentorship. Uh, and that was uh, education broadly defined. It's um, uh, much a larger space than one would assume uh, when looking at it initially, because it's been very narrowly defined as uh, K-12 and, and higher ed experiences in the past. But uh, if you really look at the lifelong learning life cycle from early childhood through workforce learning and, and uh, adult learning, then that becomes a $6 trillion market that impacts almost every single person on earth. So uh, we're on a mission to attract and develop an army of education innovators to tackle problems, uh, the world's most challenging ones, uh, because education tends to be a root cause or a lack of education usually uh, is the root cause of most of the challenges in the world. Great. I I have a question about just our our current situation. So, um, you know, given that we're, you know, a year into, over a year into this pandemic situation and um, you know, a lot of education settings are either maybe returning or they have returned in person, or maybe that's a hybrid type of situation, um, you know, all sorts of, of different stages that the um, different institutions and different learning areas are at. But I think, you know, we, we both can agree that things have changed um, 
permanently in some ways. And so I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on the prospects for success and growth for edtech companies right now, whether they're they're new startups or even those established? I guess from from one perspective, it seems like it's it's a great time to to move forward into this this area. 2020 or 2021 uh, it has been a terrible time to be a human being, but uh, it is probably the best time in history to be in distance education and, and education innovation. Uh, that stems from a couple of different uh, reasons. One being that uh, finally education is is getting recognized for uh, the, the scale that it really impacts everyone's lives because uh, we you know, removed uh, that uh, that infrastructure in one fell swoop in uh, given the pandemic and everybody realized oh this thing that I was taking for granted now doesn't exist my life doesn't function as it as it as I wanted to the the second is that along with this realization um, uh, the resources supporting uh, this space also increased several fold. Um, venture capital in general has had its best quarter in history. Um, I think more companies have been funded with more capital than in the entire year of 2019 uh, and in just four, in just three months in 2021. Um, a fair portion of that has been going to edtech companies um, that have emerged within the last few years. Uh, this didn't used to be the case. Uh, EdTech companies that grew very large and served a lot of people and made really impacting people's lives tend to have been organizations that have been around for 10, 15 years. And it's a relatively new phenomenon for someone to create an organization uh, within the last five years and build it to a point where they're really impacting people at scale. So not only is there more attention, but the speed at which you can build an organization uh, serving people in this space uh, has decreased uh, alongside that um, the the amount of capital and attention um, uh, drives that uh, shortening of time. Hmm. Okay, that's that's interesting. I'm thinking about UX design. So a a big piece of of UX design and and product design is thinking about what does the user, or in this case, maybe the student or the the educator, the the administrator, what does the user need? What problems do they have? And how can basically we design something that would help improve their life? And I'm wondering, when it comes to your experience with edtech companies, do you, you think that they tend to have a real grasp on what goes on in I'm going to say a classroom setting. So I know you you mentioned there's all sorts of non-traditional settings as well. But let's say K-12 and higher ed. Do you feel like edtech companies tend to have a real grasp on what goes on in the classroom um, and what's truly needed by teachers, students, parents, et cetera? In short, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, uh, the entrepreneurs that have been around in the ecosystem for a while uh, probably have a better chance at, at knowing that. Um, uh, but uh, it, even among the folks who have been in the industry for a while, real uh, interaction with students, learners, administrators tends to be rare unless you're putting that effort and, and attention in. Uh, and and so uh, partially because of a, of a lack of, um, uh, of, of uh, opportunity to meet with those end users and customers, partially because of a lack of um, uh, the complexity of the ecosystem having several layers between uh, you know the person who's creating 
a product and and the person who who needs it um, to make their lives better. Um, that tends to happen very rarely. Um, the it's getting better, but unfortunately, uh, at this point, I, I see more often an entrepreneur having the initial conversation with a user or a customer you know, six to nine months after they've launched their their, their solution uh, and are approaching a student or, or a administrator to purchase the solution. Uh, so uh, one of the best things that we tend to do is bring those stakeholders together much earlier in the conversation so that educators are part of the, the learning process for the entrepreneur in creating a solution. Uh, they often speak for the students, but uh, better yet, give um, entrepreneurs access to diverse learners uh, so that we can actually uh, incorporate the diverse learners' needs and not just kind of the traditional learner that one would see in a traditional setting. Yeah, I was going to say, how can we we solve that? You know, how can we we bridge that gap between um, you know this the product space and the entrepreneurs and, and people that are starting these companies and the the people that are also designing learning experiences right the teachers the administrators who who know really what's what's needed and and you said that you you facilitate those conversations a little bit with your with your program we try to uh, so uh, about 500 senior investors entrepreneurs and educators lend their time usually just around three hours of their time. To, to meet one-on-one with the tech CEOs that go through our programs each year. And, and that's already one example of you know, high-quality interaction and, and translation to product. Um, but uh, truly, it requires both sets of parties to get out of their comfort zone. Right? And, and this is about you know, getting out of your daily work stream and, and putting in the effort to spend some time virtually or hopefully eventually in person uh, stepping into each other's worlds. Um, we, you know, I tend to offer that in the context of, of EdTech Week, which I'm hosting um, a week from now uh, for a few thousand investors, educators, and entrepreneurs to learn from each other. Um, uh, and what that environment really is, is geared towards doing is focusing everyone's attention on the problems, right? Uh, and what I find is that if we can focus people's attention on the problems in the space and really educate uh, and and prioritize the the problems that especially got exacerbated by the pandemic, then um, investors, entrepreneurs, educators can vote with their feet and say, "Hey, I'm really passionate about solving this particular problem. I want to learn more about it." And that that collection of diverse perspectives on that around that particular challenge tends to de-risk the the organization that comes out of it. I see. When it comes to teachers transitioning into into the space have you come across a lot of entrepreneurs who are former educators maybe former classroom teachers for example it used to be uh when when i was you know getting started in this industry 10 15 years ago that that was probably almost the sole profile of a of a k-12 focused entrepreneur Hmm. Um, now we see a a lot more diversity in in the space um you know the entrepreneur who um, uh, is coming into uh, the industry as as a as someone who has experienced um, uh, uh, an uh, education experience that is wasn't to their uh, wasn't really a fit for them. Uh, we've we are seeing uh, more and more now uh, senior level talent, uh, those who have created organizations, both for profit and non profit, 
uh, entities in the past now focus their attention on um, uh, on on education. What I'm most excited about are the people who do come from educational backgrounds, uh, do come from uh, diverse backgrounds, who have created organization, um, successfully uh, exited it in some form, you know, brought it up to scale. Uh, and then are going in for their second round. Now, those are very uh, important um, uh, things to, to herald what we'll see in the ecosystem because if someone successfully build a build an organization and knows certain problems very, very deeply, that tends to be a very important mix. Hmm. What, what advice would you give to, to EdTech founders? And I know that you... You, you answer this question a lot and you have a lot of resources um, and we'll point people towards that uh, those resources at the end. But yeah, what advice would you give to to tech founders? I probably can give a lot of advice. Uh, it's up to them whether they want to take it. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I think one of the bits of meta advice I tend to give tech founders is uh, my advice on advice. Uh, and, and that's... Um, to really consider the source of, of mentorship or direction that some third party or experienced person provides. Uh, there's this myth that uh, has been perpetuated that people with more money or experience are somehow better than those of us who aren't. Um, and, uh, and that's false. Uh, and uh, But I want to encourage just this thinking that we're all living in a network, not a hierarchy. And if you think of it from that perspective, uh, and then also consider the source. Does this individual uh, um, uh, have the necessary background to provide me with advice around the problem I'm trying to solve? Or are they providing me with generalist advice that may be wrong? Because often the things that work in other industries don't really work in, in ed tech. So I would, I would say my advice about advice is to consider the source. That's great. That's great. And I, I have a question about um, for, for designers out there, designers and, and UX researchers and those in this space. Do you do you find that there's um, in the, the the work that you do with founders, is there a strong need for designers? Like, are, are they looking for, you know, designers, researchers, you know, maybe one or two to, to join their team in the beginning? And, and how can how can people find them? So a lot of my network or even people that listen to this podcast, they are people that are kind of chomping at the bit to want to get into the ed tech space, but as a designer, maybe, or maybe not as, as a founder um, or as a researcher. And I'm wondering how they could get connected to those who would need their work. Uh, great question, Alicia. I don't think it's really about finding the company. Uh, at, at the moment, there's about you know, 5,000 ed tech companies in, in, in the world uh, that are at a certain level of, of growth. Um, and all of them, all of these 5,000 tend to be hiring. There's more that probably are not ready to hire yet. Uh, for those 5,000 or so companies, um, it's really important for the individual designer or researcher or educator to do their homework, right? Because um, uh, the efficacy of, of these solutions varies greatly. The uh, experience of the entrepreneurs running the company varies greatly. And Considering each opportunity to work at those organizations as an investment, the investment, I would argue, of the most important asset, their time and experience and energy, um, is probably the best way to think about it. So putting themselves in the mindset of an investor uh, is probably the best advice I can, I can give. Uh, and when you're investing in a company, um, what, you're, what you want to look for is um, 
I, I usually start with the four Ps. So uh, are these the people uh, who are going to solve this real challenge? Are they focused on a big enough problem that I care about? Uh, have they made progress that shows evidence that the, this product really works? And finally, the product itself, uh, is it you know, uh, something that I enjoy working on? Is it Do they care about design? Do they care about the user experience? So uh, people, problem, progress, and product are good um, uh, things in descending order of importance to consider when wanting to invest your time in a given company. Um, if you wanted to find these individuals, there's a lot of them and there's a lot of paths to them. Uh, events like EdTech Week uh, and ASU GSV and South by Southwest EDU tend to be particularly good ones at finding these, these innovators. Um, uh, but, but I would always uh, uh, assess them with a, uh, with a critical eye uh, because what you see on the surface in, in press and marketing isn't always the truth uh, when you lift the hood. That is great advice. And yeah, the four P's, that's a really good little little checklist to use um, when looking for that. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Can you can you tell me more about EdTech Week? Sure. Uh, well, it's, it's something that um, I got going uh, in 2015 with uh, some of my fellow uh, producers. Uh, we always host it with um, a, a school partner. We've hosted it with New York University, uh, the University of Pennsylvania in the past. This year, we're hosting it with um, the University of uh, Southern California, specifically the School of Education, Rosier, uh, in Los Angeles. So we're bi-coastal for the first time this year. Um, uh, the, the event uh, is something that uh, we've tried to differentiate from other events by considering it more of a learning and networking experience. I know everybody, everybody who runs events says that, but We've put a lot of effort into inventing these these online learning modalities um, that really are geared towards engagement. Uh, so all the speakers aren't there because they want to speak and we put them on a pedestal. They are there because they've specifically told us that uh, for 25 people in an intimate environment, this is what we're going to teach them. This is what people are going to walk out of the room having learned. And people walk out of that room with a uh, a tech week certification that says they learned it and that's held on the blockchain and owned by that individual so uh, we've, we've tried to put a lot of effort into to those master classes uh, there's a bunch of shark tanks where you you'll be able to see some of the up and coming companies uh, in some interesting categories uh, there's a whole category of um, the future of uh, edtech is female there's a whole category of um, uh, k-12 and and uh, u.s companies going global and, and u.s market entry companies uh, and uh, uh, my favorite is we my team's put together this fantastic virtual world uh, where you know you can walk around uh, represented by a, a, an avatar that looks like a you know, 80s video game and bump into people that uh, you know and you don't know um, and if you don't like them, you can walk away and they disappear. <laughs> uh, so that's happening uh, all across uh, the week of April 19th to the 22nd, um, virtually uh, at EdTech Week. That sounds really exciting. That's that's right around the corner from when we're um, we're talking about this. So that's that's great. In, anything else that you you want to share about StarDead or? or EdTech Week, or people that are maybe interested in learning more, um, how, can they, how can they connect? Uh, certainly. So uh, you can uh, you know, find out more about EdTech Week at edtechweek.com. Uh, StartEd is simply startEd.com. Uh, that 
focuses on entrepreneurs uh, at any given stage of their journey. Um, and uh, I'll uh, mention to you, uh, because we just announced this today, that uh, we have the pleasure of uh, adding um, uh, Dr. Miguel Cardona, the U.S. Secretary of Education, to our faculty at, at Tech Week. Uh, and we just announced that this morning. Uh, so I look forward to uh, him speaking about the American Rescue Plan for 2021 and how uh, President Biden is creating opportunities in education and all that federal funding that's going into uh, our schools over the next year. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that uh, and hope to see you there. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love it. I'll put um, some links to that in, in the description for listeners. So thank you again, Ash, for your time and, and sharing that with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Alicia. Yeah. And, and for our listeners, there's a Medium publication um, that's that's out now, um, UX of EdTech publication. Make sure to check that out. It has some articles that have been posted on UX, design, research, EdTech, all of that. Please check it out. Please support it. And reach out if you have ideas that you might want to contribute to that space. There's also job opportunities on our LinkedIn page, UX of EdTech, um, for roles, UX roles in this space in EdTech. And um, there's also an email series exploring UX and education that you might find interesting. There's a link below as well. Reach out if you have any perspectives or stories to share. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at UX underscore EdTech or on LinkedIn as Alicia Kwan. This is the UX of EdTech podcast, an exploration of user experience in the education technology space. I look forward to learning with you next time.